Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Texas Real Estate Research Center at Texas A&M University. I'm Haley Reeder-Wiley, Communications Coordinator. Today is Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. On this day in 2018, President George H.W. Bush passed away at his home in Houston at the age of 94. Before serving as the 41st President of the United States from 1989 to 1993, Bush served as Ronald Reagan's Vice President. From 1967 to 1971, he was a member of the U.S. House of Representatives for Texas' 7th District. At the time of his death, he was the longest-lived president, a distinction now held by Jimmy Carter. President Bush was interred at the George H.W. Bush Presidential Library on the Texas A&M University campus in College Station. He's buried beside his wife, Barbara, and daughter, Robin. Now on to today's podcast. In May 2022, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration forecasted the seventh consecutive year of above-average Atlantic hurricane activity. As the 2022 hurricane season ends, an estimated 337 people lost their lives due to hurricane-related activity. Additionally, this year's hurricane season has so far caused over $54 billion in damages, making it the sixth costliest Atlantic hurricane season on record. The frequency and intensity of natural disasters like hurricanes and wildfires are forecast to increase throughout the decade, exposing more people and places to these destructive events. Given these risks, the Texas Real Estate Research Center launched When Disaster Strikes, a blog series to better inform Texans of the costs and consequences of natural disasters. The series summarizes important findings from academic publications, including the impacts on public health, economic activity, and individual decision-making. While much of the literature extends beyond natural disasters in Texas, the results are contextualized to the state's population. The first installment, which highlights a paper that illustrates the economic challenges facing households after a natural disaster, was released earlier this month. The author of the series, Texas Real Estate Research Center Senior Research Associate Wesley Miller, joins us on today's podcast to discuss this blog and touch on what future blogs will examine. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. What are some of the immediate impacts of a natural disaster on a household's financial health? Yeah, so we know that natural disasters are quite destructive. Um, You know, they're physically destructive and dangerous, but uh, in terms of financial health, as households uh, evacuate, you know, immediately uh, kind of in the short term, um, in the short term, when the, the storm is happening, there's costs of evacuation from hotels and transportation. This is all at a time when prices are increasing. There's increased demand for these resources, but also the recovery and the rebuilding process um, can be quite expensive. Uh, if you're insured, it takes time for insurance money to pour in or or relief from from other sources. Uh, there's also major disruptions to employment and the labor market in a region where where a natural disaster has occurred. So you've got this combination of uh, your costs increasing, but also your sources of, re- of revenue and income may be uh, maybe decreasing at this time. And so this pushes you know people into financial distress, whether that's um, 
you know, relying on access to credit, relying on credit or or other resources. It's a very you know difficult time financially. And there's also evidence what this paper does. Um, it shows that there's an increase in early withdrawal of retirement as households are trying to smooth over that financial shock um, that they're exposed to. What are the long-term effects of a natural disaster on local and state economies? It's really difficult to identify long-run impacts um, of, of natural disasters. And so uh, actually what this paper does, they're, they're, they're focusing on the long-run impacts of the individuals themselves who were exposed. So some of those uh, individuals who lived in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina left the city. And that's kind of you know what you expect from evacuation. But, but then that evacuation was sticky for a lot of people and they, they remained outside and made their permanent residence elsewhere. And, you know, uh, Houston is a great example of that as a lot of people um, left New Orleans and and uh, to Houston and, and, and never returned. So um, one of the kind of big takeaways from this paper and the, and the literature um, is, uh, is somewhat surprising. It's that conditional on surviving this storm, individuals might actually um, notice some some improvements or, or some benefits from uh, from their response to the natural disaster. And, and, and so kind of the idea and thought process behind this is uh, that New Orleans was a struggling, stagnant economy when Hurricane Katrina hit. It forced this large population out into different different places, into Houston, that maybe had a better education system or healthcare system. And so those people that moved there then benefited from, from those resources. Now, I think it's really important to emphasize that we talk about um, you know, individuals benefiting from this experience, that's not a net benefit. You know, this is a, a, an incredibly trying and, and and stressful event that can last for, you know, years and years. Um, so it's just what the what the literature has shown is that on some dimensions, um, there can be some improved outcomes on average. Are any socioeconomic groups more adversely affected by natural disasters than others? If so, why? Yeah, so this is still still an open question in the literature. Like, obviously, we've talked about how access to credit can be important, um, you know, household savings and other assets and employment stability. So, you know, all these things correlate with with socioeconomic status. So, you know, those are important factors for sure. Um, one thing that this paper showed clearly was that uh, individuals in the most damaged areas uh, you know, <clears throat> were the ones that were that that evacuated at a higher rate. That we saw some of the the larger in, uh, income shocks and and spikes in unemployment. Um, now, now these these uh, most damaged areas in New Orleans uh, happen to be the most disadvantaged areas. So it's different, difficult to disentangle. Um, you know, those two things, but. Um, but in a way, they're they're also related in terms of investment in in infrastructure and um, but but. Uh, yeah, that's still an open question in the literature. In the first blog of the series, you look at a study examining the social and economic costs of Hurricane Katrina on the residents of New Orleans. Can you summarize what was found? Yeah, so this study is really, really cool. Uh, one thing that kind of the cornerstone of it is that they have access to federal tax return data from 19, I think it's 1999 through 2013. So they're following individuals and outcomes through their tax returns. And um, so what they see is is a clear uh, disruption in in individuals' lives from a spike in in mobility, residential mobility as people evacuate the city and, and don't return. Um, they see spikes in unemployment. They see uh, you know hit, uh, an immediate hit to income. There's a two thousand uh, dollar decrease in income. You know just you know less than a year after uh, Hurricane Katrina. 
So all these things are documenting this this short term stress for uh, individuals and, and this this financial stress. And, and uh, kind of on a side note here, one of the, another interesting takeaway was actually where they didn't find results. Um, so you know they document all this financial stress, and then a common measurement of household stress is uh, the marriage and divorce rates. And and their results are kind of uh, noisy there. And so you know while you've got all these difficulties surrounding your lives, they did they weren't able to detect any any effects in either direction really um, on on household stress measured through marriages and divorces. So that's you know you know something that might be surprising to some. On on one hand, you might expect families to kind of come together, uh, um, you know, during a, a time of difficulty and, and that would, you know, increase, uh, you know, increase the marriage rate or, or decrease the divorce rate. Um, but on the other hand, we, there, you know, there's a literature that documents financial stress and other stresses in your life transmit into the household and, and can affect outcomes, um, inside the household. So, uh, that was kind of an interesting caveat in this study as well. Were any of these trends mirrored by Hurricane Harvey's impact on Houston? Yeah, so there's there's some clear similarities across storms. Um, you know, in, first there's there's an evacuation period. Now the scope of ev- evacuation was quite different. Um, you know, Hurricane Katrina prompted a, a near universal evacuation of the city, and it wasn't quite um, you know so severe uh, in terms of evacuation for Harvey, um, for better or for worse. Uh, also, there's there's clear dis- disruption in the labor market um, that Hurricane Harvey caused uh, as as recovery recovery and rebuilding um, before recovery and rebuilding could occur. So, you know, these are things that are common across natural disasters. Houston is, uh, you know, much different economy than New Orleans. Um, and so there's definitely some differences uh, that, that can make extrapolating all of the results from this study um, possible to, to Hurricane Harvey. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll focus on some other papers uh, later in this blog series that, that um, you know, can apply in that regard as well. What can be done to lessen the social and economic impact of natural disasters? Yeah, this, this is a great question. So I think the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, communication of risk. And so, you know, Houston's doing this with uh, updating their, the, the flood maps so that, that individuals and, and municipalities and, and, you know, the entire region is better aware of, of the actual flood risk um, that at, at present. But also also improving messaging of this actual risk. It's okay to document the risk, but but having this be actually making this salient to the population, um, hoping that that's influencing decisions. One way that typically that risk is is transmitted through, uh, you know, through <clears throat> markets is through prices. Uh, this is kind of, you know, this is a complicated issue because, uh, you know, we, we as, as a country, we subsidize Flood insurance rates, so we're kind of distorting the price mechanism that would that we'd expect to um, be communicating risk. There's things like information disclosure, uh, flood risk disclosure um, for for homeowners or prospective buyers um, during uh, during the contracting period. There's disclosure process. You know, all these things are important in terms of communicating risk, so that people can make informed decisions and be aware of this. There's also you know a ton. Of, of pecuniary and, and non-pecuniary policies um, and resources that pour in after a disaster. Um, you know, an example of this is is temporary shelter as people's homes are, are you know are destroyed. Um, they need a need a place to live. There's home remodeling and rebuilding projects, and um, you know there, there's a kind of a plethora of all these different. There's a huge basket of all these different different policies, and and right now 
the effectiveness of each individual policy is is still you know pretty much being being studied at, at this point. We just know that this is a very difficult time in, in you know individuals' lives whenever whenever these disasters occur, and so um, we want to make sure that that the resources that do pour in are are used effectively um, um, to you know best help uh, these individuals and also prevent these types of disasters from happening again, or, or, or at least mitigating the consequences of these disasters. Look out for the next, uh, you know, the next blog post we're going to be putting out, um, you know, several of these, they're going to be touching on, on different types of natural disasters, wildfires, tornadoes, of course, hurricanes, um, and also a, a lot of different geographies. So, you know, this is a, this is a large literature. There's a lot to learn here. Um, but, you know, it's an important topic that, that unfortunately, uh, you know, Texans and, and the rest of the country and the rest of the world are, are you know, um, forced to deal with. And, and so the more information that we have uh, about this topic, um, the better. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks again, Wes. For more, check out When Disaster Strikes, available exclusively on the Center's mixed-use blog. The link is on our podcast webpage and in the YouTube description box. If you're looking for more information on natural disasters, we've linked to several research articles about hurricanes, flooding, winter storms, and more. While you're on our website, check out our research library. It includes a wide variety of research reports and articles. Latest topics include floor plan copyrights, like-kind exchanges, coastal property rights, housing affordability, and more. The link is on our podcast webpage. That's going to be it for today's podcast. If you're looking for more from the Texas Real Estate Research Center, head to our website. That's www.recenter.tamu.edu. There, you'll find the latest data, research articles, news, and more. For more Texas real estate news, subscribe to Recon, our bi-weekly newsletter. You'll get all the biggest stories sent straight to your inbox every Tuesday and Friday. The link is down below. To stay up to date on when articles are published on our website, follow the Texas Real Estate Research Center on social media. You can find us with the handle at RECenterTX on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. For more podcasts like these, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or to our YouTube channel. All podcasts are also available for free on our website. Thanks for joining us today in the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Texas Real Estate Research Center in College Station, Texas, where we've been helping Texans make the best real estate decisions since 1971. This is Haley Reeder Wiley, and I'll see you next time. Bye.